Here's what's on tap. the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 99 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you as the Brewers at home at Miller Park against the Pirates for a quick pregame series before heading back out on the road with the NL Central heating up. Three teams currently within two and a half games of first place. The Cubs lead the NL Central, Cardinals right there. And the Brewers just two and a half games back. The crew, of course, there because of the big sweep over the weekend in Chicago against the Cubs. You're going to hear more about how that series unfolded in our highlight package coming up. Uh, but it has been quite a week, and September has come, and you can feel it. Uh, living on the edge with every pitch right now. This is, this is big-time baseball, and this is what everybody hoped would happen when the championship season began back in April. Well, some things to discuss right off the top here. First off, some time changes, and I want to make sure that you're aware of it on the final homestand coming up uh, in about a week from now. The Brewers are going to be at home in that final homestand. Cubs four-game series, 21st through the 24th, and then the Reds 26th through the 28th. That is a seven-game homestand, and for the crew, three game times have changed on that homestand. The September 22nd game is now a 6.35 first pitch, 9.23 September 23rd game. That is now a 12.05 first pitch. And the September 28th game is now a 3.10 p.m. first pitch. So make sure you write that down, you, you make a note of it, put it in your calendar, whatever you need to do to remind yourself that those game times are different than what they were when the season uh, schedule was put out a year ago back in September. Uh, okay, now the 2018 schedule, speaking of uh, schedules getting released, it came out on Tuesday, and it's always exciting when the, the next season schedule comes out. You start looking at it, seeing if you want to make a road trip somewhere, You know where the big series coming into town are going to be, and it's going to be exciting. Uh, this season opens earlier than it ever has in the United States. Of course, there's been some of those series uh, that – open up the season internationally uh, in the past, but in terms of in an American ballpark, in a United States ballpark, the season getting underway. This is the earliest it's, it's ever started. March 29th, uh, the crew will open up. Every team in Major League Baseball is going to open up on that Thursday, March 29th, and it's going to be in San Diego for the crew. They're going to open up on the road, three games against the Padres, then Easter Sunday off, and then they'll come home, and the home opener is Monday, April 2nd against St. Louis. Crew also will play their peers from the AL Central in 2018 with trips to the White Sox, Royals, Twins, and Indians, and they will welcome the Tigers, Royals, Indians, and Twins back to Miller Park. So that gives you an idea of who will be coming into town from the American League in interleague play. Uh, completion of the Neil Walker trade also came through on Tuesday. Of course, the Brewers acquired Neil Walker from the Mets back in August, and it was for a player to be named later. That player to be named was right-handed reliever Eric Hanhold. All right, let's jump into the highlights from this past week, a 4-2 and two week for the crew, including that big three-game sweep of the Cubs at Wrigley.
This is a ballpark he has hit well in in the past. The 0-1. Hit in the air, deep left center field. Back is half at the track. It is gone! It's 2-0 Brewers on bronze 300th of his career. John Lackey came in with a fastball, middle, middle, and Braun hit it into the hedges in center. His 15th of the year, another Wisconsin Lottery Powerball home run, and some history for Braun. Hayward, the runner at second, tying run at the plate, Baez. Nothing into the count. The kick and the pitch. He struck him out! 99, and Baez swung right through it. Brewers take game one. It's 2-0 the final. 0-1 to Arcia. Line down the right field line, a fair ball. Aguilar scores, Pena's coming around. Broxton's gonna be held at third. It's a two-run double for Orlando Arcia. Six-nothing Brewers. Montgomery into the stretch. His first pitch to Shaw. Hammered first base side, a fair ball headed down the right field line. One run is in. Santana's coming around to score. They'll hold Braun at third. Shaw's into second with a two-run double. Brewers strike first. Shaw with another double. Two more runs batted in for him. Still second and third. Nobody out for Milwaukee. And here Here's comes the pitch. Perez launches this down the left field line. Will it stay fair? If it's fair, it's gone. It's fair! Hernan Perez with a two-run shot. And the Brewers lead it 11 to nothing. A look at second for Zestrizny. Here's the pitch. Lined over the head of Zobrist and down into right center field. Rounding third, headed for home is Pena. Here's Almora's throw home. It's cut off, and the Brewers lead it 12 to nothing. Nice little two-out rally from the crew. Here's the 0-1, and Perez plugs the gap with a line drive into left center. Broxton comes down the line to score. Around third to score is Arcia, and Anderson goes first to third. It's 14 to nothing, Brewers. Here's the 1-0 to Shaw, and he sends it high in the air to deep right. Hayward's back. He's at the warning track. He looks up, and that is off the basket, and that is gone! Travis Shaw with his 29th of the season. And the crew leads it 3-1. Davies winds in his 0-1 to Jay. Ground ball to first, stays down on it. Thames takes it to the bag. And seven strong innings from Zach Davies. We head to the eighth at Wrigley. It's 3-1 Milwaukee. Knable kicks and throws. Swing and a miss. Knable strikes out the side, and the Brewers sweep the Cubs at Wrigley. Final score, Brewers 3, Cubs 1. The sounds of this past week in Brewers baseball. Well, you heard home run number 300 from Ryan Braun come at Wrigley Field last Friday night. Now let's jump into our clubhouse conversation with the Brewers' all-time home run leader. 
Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was. Um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. And we're joined by Brewers left fielder Ryan Braun. Career night last night for you with the landmark with the 300th home run, and what a great way to get it. Uh, into the wind, 410-foot shot, and it ends up being the swing that makes the difference in the game. That, that's that's how you want those landmark home runs to come, right? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, all, all those individual accomplishments are far more enjoyable when they come uh, in a team victory in a moment that ends up being meaningful and significant in a game. So um, certainly a, a cool number, a cool accomplishment, but obviously we're focused on, on much bigger and more important things at this point in the season. So um, able to enjoy it a little bit more because it helped us win a, a very important game. Yeah, the ball wasn't flying out last night. But you really got it. Did you did you have a pretty good feel when you swung through it that it was going to have enough? Um, I knew I hit it well in that situation. There was a guy on third base, less than two outs. They were playing the infield in, so I'm just trying to hit a fly ball. So I figured worst case it would be a sack fly. When the wind blows in like that here, um, it significantly impacts the trajectory of a ball, so you never really know. Um, luckily, I hit it low enough where the wind wasn't able to have too much of an impact on it. You've swung the bat well here over the course of your career. Is there anything to that that you see the ball well here? Um, I just enjoy the challenge of playing here as a competitor. I think there's there's no better atmosphere or environment in baseball than, than Wrigley Field. Fans are always into it. It's always a lot of fun. It's always a packed house. It's loud. It's energetic. Um, and as a competitor, that's just an enjoyable atmosphere and, and environment to play in. What has this season been like for you? You're, you're one of the veterans. You're one of the leaders. And there's so much youth on this team. And, and to be where this team's at in September playing meaningful baseball, how fun has it been for you to kind of see this youth transition through? It's fun. I think uh, it's been an exciting year for all of us. I think that to, to this point in the season, we probably exceeded everybody else's expectations. Um, we've seen a lot of growth from a lot of our young guys, which is exciting. Bodes well for us, uh, not, not just this year, but moving forward as well. So um, it's been fun to, to see the transition taking place. It's been a lot of fun for me to be able to help a lot of these guys with the process um, of getting used to playing at this level, having success at this level, dealing with failure at this level, um, and everything that comes with being an, an everyday major leaguer. When you look back on 2007, 2000, for you. Are you doing that more now because you see some of that with some of these guys? Not really. Um, I mean, when I'm asked about it, obviously, it's, it's somewhat similar in that there were a group of talented young players that kind of all came up within a couple years of each other, um, and it allowed us to have some sustained success. So hopefully that this group of players we have here now and the guys that are right behind them um, are able to do the same thing for our organization because whenever you're a smaller mid-market team, you don't have the luxury to go out there and get the top free agents for $30 million a year. So you're completely dependent upon your system being able to develop um, you know, quality major leaguers, and we were able to do that. Um, at that time, and it looks like we're, we're in a similar phase right now where we have a, a good group of young guys coming up around the same time. 21 games remaining right in the thick of this thing. What's your message right now to this group of guys about how to stay in the moment and keep grinding away and, and give yourselves a chance when it's all said and done? 
Uh, I think one of the biggest messages is just to treat it the same as we've treated everything else. You don't want to make the moment larger than it is. Um, and also to try to enjoy it, whether things are going good or bad, you got to try to enjoy it, embrace it. Um, because for a lot of guys, you may never get this opportunity again, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who may not ever be in September with an opportunity um, to win their division to ultimately make it to the postseason. So for all of us, it's just something that, that uh, is a goal for us as a group at the beginning of the year. So for everybody, you really have to enjoy it, embrace it, um, and just continue to put forth the same effort we've put forth all year. On a less positive note, tough news on Jimmy Nelson today. What, what a year he put together. And, and this staff, as the season's gone forward, they've dealt with injuries before. Seems like it's been very good in terms of the next man up stepping up. Brent Suter did it for Chase Anderson and be in a similar spot for someone needing to step up now. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I just feel awful for Jimmy. Um, it was so special to see him have the success he's had this year. He's always had the stuff. He's always had the work ethic. So to see it come together was was fun and exciting for all of us. Nobody deserves to have success more than Jimmy does because of how hard he works and how much he cares. Um, so it's tough to see that, but nobody else is going to feel bad for us. Um, it provides an opportunity for somebody else to, to step up, and it's something that obviously has to happen. Um, so ultimately, you know, somebody's going to get an opportunity. We've seen guys step into to opportunities this year and have success with it. So we're going to need somebody else to step up at, uh, you know, obviously the most crucial point of the season. Ryan, congrats again on the win last night and on number 300. And good luck today. Thank you. Big thanks to Ryan Braun for giving us the time to appear on Brewers on Tap. All right, let's go down on the farm here. The Brewers minor league affiliates, seasons are over. Ended with Colorado Springs getting uh, beat in Game 5 at home against the Memphis Redbirds in the PCL playoffs. That was the final team still playing. So now we turn our attention to Fall Instructional League, which will begin next week. And then, of course, the Arizona Fall League, which will get going about a month from now. You'll have Monte Harrison, Lucas Ersig, Corey Ray, and Jake Gatewood also all participating in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, down in the, the Phoenix area coming up in about a month. So those are the next two big items on the table. But uh, I had a chance to sit down with Brewers Farm Director, Tom Flanagan. Checking in on the farm. Welcome back to Brewers on Tap. We're joined by Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan and uh, really an amazing year for the Brewers minor league system this past year. Uh, you had to be very, very pleased with, you know, winning is always a nice byproduct of having great talent in your system. And, and some of those wins came and guys got experience playing in, in playoff type atmosphere. That had to be a, an exciting thing for you guys to watch. Absolutely. Especially at the AAA level, you want to, as guys move up the ladder, you certainly want to uh, focus much more on winning just to prepare them for the big league experience. So it's great when you can do that at any level. We were, we were real close to making the playoffs in, in Carolina. They finished about a game back, at uh, half game back at the second half. Double A narrowly missed both halves, and obviously Arizona and, and Colorado Springs both made the playoffs. So it was good for the players that, that last month of August, just coming to the park every day, having that extra edge. It's, it's always good for the development, kind of works hand in hand. Kind of from a general 30,000-foot view standpoint, from a position player aspect of things, um, AAA had a lot of success. Um, the guys in, in, in Class A advance where a lot of prospects were, probably have to peel back a little bit of a layer there. A lot of those were left-handed hitters. They saw a lot of left-handed pitching, and they started to really come on as the season went along. But overall on the mound, top to bottom, this was a uh, just a big year where it seems like every guy almost took a step forward. 
Yeah, the pitching really took a step forward this year. I know there were some under-the-radar guys, maybe for some of the fans. Jordan Yamamoto had a really nice year. Um, Zach Brown, most of the year was at Wisconsin, stepped up to Carolina toward the end, really took off there. A uh, number of guys, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, obviously got a, a lot of attention. But it was really good to see. I think I think it'll bode well going forward. Um, for the most part, the starting pitching group is very deep. On any, on any night you look down and you see the, the starters at each level, and you can kind of get excited for, for who's running out there every night. So it's a, it's a fun thing for sure. Is it to the point, too, Tom, where it, it's going to be hard to slot guys into rotations next year because you have so many quality arms, especially at those two higher levels next year? To some degree, I think we try to make use of the tandem, uh, use of tandems just to, to double guys up. We did it in double A quite a bit, and it really benefits the pitchers. Number one, it gives them a chance um, for their innings workload, kind of to manage that, even even at the high A, double A level. Not ideal at the upper levels, but we certainly can manage it. But it's always good to have that competition amongst the guys. They push each other and kind of feed off of that competition where one guy has a good start and kind of, you know, challenges the next guy to keep it rolling. So, uh, saw a lot of that at Double A, especially this year. When you guys, when you have success like Corbin Burns had and Freddie Peralta had, and kind of, kind of similar years in some ways, Freddie maybe a month or two behind Corbin in terms of moving up the ladder. But um, both guys that were in Class A a year ago, they moved up to A advanced before the end of the year, and then started this year in A advanced and ended up in Double A, and both really never slowed down. How hard is it then to go back in the offseason and figure out what, what's our plan with them moving forward because they really have answered every single thing that you've asked of them so far? Sure. I think that's part of the thing. We kind of look at this year as we make those moves, kind of targeting their, their progression through the system. They tell us when they're ready to move based on how they're doing, but it's, it's certainly a good experience to have when you see that, when you have a guy, you know, you promote them, you challenge them, and they not only compete and hold their own, but they really – ratchet it up a notch. So Peralta's numbers really didn't fade at all. They really enhanced at double A and Burns just basically a, a little over a year ago just coming out of the draft and now he's in double A. So it's a really big year for, for those two guys but a number of our, our starters. A big year for a couple of guys too. Cody Ponce had a really good year. Last year had the injury that kind of set him back in 2016. Was healthy this year. Was a real good innings eater for you. Guy that you didn't have to use a tandem with as much. You could let him go a little bit. And 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 I thought he had a big bounce back year, uh, for sure. Aaron Wilkerson, who was having a good year, struggled a little bit after the trade last year, but but had a tremendous year at Double A this year. And and Taylor Youngman as well, who who pitched very well at the Triple A level. All of those guys seem to to kind of put some failures behind them and take good steps forward. Sure, all three of those guys you mentioned, especially Taylor Youngman, he really. Uh, you looked at it statistically, you know, he was in AAA, went to AA, basically went back to AAA this year and, and really took off, really had a great season, you know, put himself back in the conversation for sure. Wilkerson the same way. We kind of strategized with the, the starters that we had at AAA, thought he was a better fit, you know, keeping him out of Colorado Springs, but to his credit, really dominated down the stretch and really went deep into games all year. As you mentioned, same with Cody Ponce, really from – from April on, he was going minimum of six innings, a lot of times seven, maybe sometimes even into the eighth for Carolina. So it was a big year for Cody to step forward, as you mentioned, kind of putting the injury in the rearview mirror and finishing the year with a, a few nice starts at Double A. Should position him well going into 18. What was your impression of the year that Mauricio Dubon put together? Another guy, that, I, I don't know that he's under the radar. He, he got a lot of people's attention in the spring, um, but you know, joined Colorado Springs after a month or two in Biloxi. 
and continued to produce at a pretty good clip. He did. He really came in. We were obviously in spring training excited to get to know him and made a good impression on a lot of our staff and on the players and took that into double-A, really put up the numbers, stole a bunch of bases. He's a guy that I know, Mike Guerrero, the double-A manager, he would try and give him a day off, and he just he'd, he'd pester him into his way back in the lineup or at least coming in in a double switch. So um, high-energy player, got the chance, earned the opportunity to go to triple-A, continued to hit up there, still very young, still has a lot of work to do. Um, but defensively, we liked what we saw at shortstop as well as at second, and definitely can swing the bat. And you had a little bit of a challenge going into the year at the AAA level from an outfield standpoint, just getting guys in the lineup, getting them there at bats. It seemed like that worked out pretty well for the most part. It did. It was. We always say, you know, it's some of it's wishful thinking. We always say, hey, these problems will take care of themselves. Good problems to have. But this year, coming into the year, certainly at AAA, we had a stacked outfield, and and some of the guys that don't get the notoriety of others like Kyle Wren really put up the numbers really for two solid years at AAA has really put up the numbers you know steals bases plays defense at all three positions swings the bat so um, guys like that really took advantage of the time they had and at the end of the year you looked up and they had you know plenty of plate appearances plenty of at bats so um, it's something that it it still is a great problem to have you all you can never have too much depth certainly but it's something we try and manage whether it's AAA double-a wherever it may be We talk about with prospects and with farm systems and the depth of them. We talk about waves and kind of that first wave of this group uh, started to make their way into the big leagues this year, maybe even last year with Orlando Arcia when he got his opportunity late in the year. But this year we saw a lot of those guys make their MLB debuts. Is that fun for you as, as a guy that's watched them make their way up through the system? Absolutely. David Cerns always talks about this, how the energy from the big league club you, you know, it, it, it really lights a fire under our guys in the minor leagues, both players and especially the staff. You know, every night before their game, after their game, they have the big league game on TV in the clubhouse. They're watching, following along. So when you see those guys like Taylor Williams or Josh Hader, those guys break through, you know, they take pride in that. You know, players are happy. The staff is certainly stoked about it. So it's definitely a big step, you know, throughout the organization. Everybody kind of pumps their chest out. All right, Tom, just a couple of days away from getting fall instructs underway, and then, of course, the Arizona Fall League is coming up, and you've announced the position players there. Give us just a a little bit of an overview of what the next few months will look like in terms of what you guys are going to be keeping your finger on and and how you're going to be getting prepared for winter meetings in December. Sure. Yeah, the the two things are the big hot buttons right now. The Fall League is around the corner about a month away. Uh, We have Lucas Ersig, Jake Gatewood, Corey Ray, and Monte Harrison all submitted as pitch as position players we'll have the pitchers announced here soon and then the uh, fall or the fall instructional league starts next week in arizona so we'll have about 48 mostly uh first year players some second year players and it's a great environment we only play a handful of games probably a dozen games against outside competition but we do a lot of simulated games a lot of um, instructional type games where situations occur things of that nature but it's a great environment. There's no stats. The players can really embrace changes that they want to make, that our staff wants to have them make. So we slow things down, you know, experiment quite a bit. Um, a lot of conversions, you know, guys playing different positions just to see how it looks. Uh, in the past, we've had success converting guys, you know, position players over to the pitching side. So it's a fun time. It's really productive. It's about three and a half weeks right at our Maryvale complex. So we're excited to, to get that going here soon. Yeah, I, I go around and I talk to a lot of these minor leaguers over the course of the year, some of these prospects, and I think of Monte Harrison as an example. Who He, he talked to me about he felt like fall instructs last year is where he really started to turn that corner. He felt healthy again. 
and he was able to really focus in on things he was doing within his approach, and he felt like that was the difference for him in having such a big year this year. And he's not the only example of that. There's a lot of guys that feel that way, aren't they? Absolutely. The, the guys that jump out last year, Jake Gatewood, Trent Clark, really had big uh, instructional league programs for us. And, and it, it means different things. Sometimes it's just a little uh, adjustment they, they make in their approach and their swing. It could be no adjustment, just you know, clicking, confidence cl- clicks in in that environment. And they take that into the off season, you know, work hard, ready to go in the spring. But, but it's it's a good opportunity for those guys. And there's a lot of classroom sessions as well, where different speakers and, and different staff people do presentations, kind of not just on field instruction, but but literally the full the full picture, knowing the game inside and out. Tom, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Anytime, Lane. Thanks. All right, thank you to Tom Flanagan for joining us on Brewers on Tap. Let's see what is on tap coming up as we go down the stretch. Here's what's on tap. Uh, here's what we got coming up for you. The final game Wednesday night against the Pirates, then a six-game road trip to Miami and Pittsburgh, and then the final homestand of 2017, Cubs and Reds coming to town. Cubs series 921 through 924, September 21st through the 24th through the weekend. Going to be a big series. Could be a lot on the line in that one. Hopefully uh, we'll see you out at the ballpark over the course of uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And then the Reds coming to town for the final time this year. Uh, they come into town on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And again, time changes in those series. The September 22nd game, uh, the Friday night game against the Cubs, is now a 6:35 game. That was originally a 7:10 game. The September 23rd game, the Saturday game, which was going to be a 6:10 game, that is now a 12:05 game. And the September 28th game against the Reds is going to be later at night. That's now going to be a 3.10 p.m. start. So make sure you, you mark all those down. That's what's coming up, and that is what's on tap. That's going to do it for us and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week when we're from Pittsburgh and PNC Park as the crew continues that road trip through Miami and Pittsburgh. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Link Rindle.